of the bullpen onto the mound. Our number two of Sports Talk. Scott Beatty and Evan Kahn coming to you live today on location from Riggs Brewery in Urbana. Great hosts. We're celebrating the people's choice. A lot of uh, the great businesses and advertisers here in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, they're having some good food and drink to celebrate how they've been recognized amongst the people of uh, the area here. So congratulations to all that are joining us. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two of Sports Talk coming up. Chris Thomas, we'll bring our conversation with him. Uh, he cannot join us live. Illinois Sadly. Volleyball has practice mm. right now. So uh, we actually already talked with him. We'll bring you that a little bit later. But uh, in the meantime, we have uh, plenty of things to get through today. I, I want to start actually just with what we heard uh, in the Fox Sports update. We're living in a world where Mitch Trubisky is still a starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, good for him. The uh, Mike Tomlin recognized that he went to the playoffs two out of four years. That is true, technically. Yep, it's true. You know, a lot of teams go to the playoffs every year in the NFL, <laughs> but he did go to the playoffs. And, um, and the Bears unveiled a master plan for the Arlington Heights site. It appears that the stadium will be a bar of soap. Oh, I did not see that. And now that you mention it, didn't Mitch Trubisky win the Nickelodeon Award for that playoff game, that they, the last one that they played? I can't remember. It's been a while. Don't but. say I don't know, because you'll get slimed. <laughs> but, no, c- congrats to him. And as for Chicago, yeah, you, you need a dome. It's not a place where you can play outdoor football, especially when you look around. Minnesota just built a dome. Ford Field's been around for forever. And the other opportunities, can you imagine going to a Final Four? Or up in Chicago, or, or maybe the college football playoff as they expand that thing over the next few years. Um, it, it, it'd be great. I'm looking forward to whatever rendering they end up deciding yeah. on. Yeah, but, yeah, to be fair, the master plan rendering does not actually depict what the stadium will look like. They make that clear, <laughs> but still, it just looks like a random white building that's just sort of there. It has a nondescript shape. Details to come. <laughs> TBD, but yeah, the Bears need to get out of there, and that's for sure. The earliest they can leave the lakefront is 2026. Hope you're doing well. Sports Talk brought to you in part by ABC Heating and Air. Middle of the day or night, ABC Heating and Air meets your emergency needs with no change in the service fee. Call ABC to always be comfortable. 352-5400. Earlier today, we got to talk with Illini quarterback Tommy DeVito, and uh, hate to start this on a downer, but appreciated his his openness here. Um, He was wearing a picture of his grandmother Maria and now late grandmother Maria, and uh, Tommy DeVito learned uh, about her passing only after the Wyoming game. So here's um, a little bit that Tommy DeVito shared with us today. My grandmother had passed away last week. Um, The Friday night before Wyoming, and uh, I found out after the game. Obviously, my parents told me after, which I respected them for, to not have me emotional all that because me and her were very close. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, just keep it with me. Mm-hmm. She's very involved in your life then. Very, yep. Yeah. yeah, she lived with us for a little while. So COVID was kind of good because, you know, I was home, especially on the East Coast. Everything was shut down. So we were very, like, it was very serious. I don't know how crazy it was here, but we were yeah. locked down for months. So we spent every single day together all day. So. It was, uh, it was special to me to have that time. What's one thing you think, how she shaped you? What's one part of you that you think reflects her? Toughness. That's it, toughness. I don't want to get into anything, you know, too, like, sensitive or personal, but she was uh, she was in hospice, and she was given three months to live, like, three years ago. 
So she's she was fighting for three years. She 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 got COVID, made it through COVID. You know, she was just been fighting that whole time, and you know that's that's one thing that I'm gonna remember her forever, and she'll always be with me. There's Tommy DeVito talking about his grandmother, Maria. It made me think of, I was 21 in college when my, my closest grandparent passed away, and my, my, my grandmother. That's that's tough uh, to go through, and uh, mad, mad respect to Tommy DeVito for uh, going through all that. Obviously, he didn't he didn't know during the game, uh, but he learned after that. He described her uh, as very short. He, you know, he held his hand out, and uh, uh, she. I didn't know this too. She's from Costa Rica. She's oh. 100 Costa Rican. I believe his grandfather was German. This is on his mother's side. Then obviously Italian side with Devito on the other uh, on the other side. So uh, all a little bit there that we learned about uh, Tommy Devito. But uh, he was wearing her picture in a little uh, locket charm type thing on a on a gold chain and. Uh, was was candid and open with us uh, about what he's going through. So uh, just a little bit more window there and getting to know Illinois' starting quarterback, who I, I think um, I think he's hard on himself and needs to correct some things, as he should football-wise, uh, but also think he has done some things really well. He, he's, he's presented himself just fantastic since he's been here. He's, he's the, the kind of quarterback that you want leading your team. He's, he's humble and he's a leader and just hearing that story and you can hear the uh, emotion in his voice that's tough and for him to get through that Wyoming game without knowing and uh, you know uh, imagine finding out afterwards and then all that gets washed away and he had a, a pretty solid game uh, last Friday uh, against Indiana so, so to bounce back and, and to go through a week of preparation and, and through all of that um, it's yeah it's it's been nice to, to get to know Tommy DeVito since he's been here and, and you feel for him and, and hope that, that maybe you can use this as some kind of motivation or, or some, I don't, I don't know what, what you need, but uh, just to, to help him get through the, this season as Illinois football tries to get back to a bowl game. You know, I, I think about what was a conversation around Illinois' offense in the last couple of years, really. It was around the quarterback, and Tommy DeVito needs to make a few throws better. In, in looking back at the Indiana game, but I don't feel like that's the centerpiece of the conversation right now around Illinois football. I think they have a competent quarterback, and I don't even mean that in disrespect to 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 to, to last year, mm-hmm. but just that it doesn't feel like ever, that's what's hanging in the balance is is the quarterback. And so if he's a little sharper and a little finer. A few more balls that are catchable, but he also he put them in the window. He put a lot of them in the window. Well, that, that game manager, really, like, like we've been saying that, that Brett Bielman is looking for and making the plays when you have to, not necessarily having to make all the plays like they asked Chase Brown to do last Friday. I hope he can still walk this week. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he, he's... He's filling that role, like you said, what Illinois has been looking for for a quarterback for a a really long time, and he puts them in a position to where he can make those plays or or keep things going if the offense needs a a quarterback to do that. And didn't quite work out on on Friday, but this offense, they're they're still learning it with Barry Lunny and a new quarterback. And the O-line has seen about five different configurations here through through two weeks. So, yeah, you, you can see the makings of this football team isn't terrible. No, uh, I think they, they definitely have a legitimate shot, as we were talking about it last hour, too, with Lauren and Matt Stevens to, to beat Virginia this week. And I do think everything settles a little bit. There, I, 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 as an Illini fan, I think if you're an Illini fan right now, there's some angst. Like, oh, man, if they don't beat Virginia, mm-hmm. they're one and two, and then what? But if they do, okay, 
I wanted three and zero, oh, but I'll live with two and one, <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna get to three and one with Chattanooga, and you know you're going with house money anyway up to Wisconsin, right? <laughs> and that's what we thought in 2019 when Wisconsin came here, and and yet so you never know. But even then, you're 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 done with Wisconsin at three and two, hmm. right? Yeah. And then you just see where you go from there. So there's a lot riding on this game this Saturday. Well, yeah, and you hope that's not permeating in the locker room, and that's not the thoughts that they have, and I can't imagine that it is. But we, yeah, you you've seen Illinois teams go in trying to not lose rather than to win, and I think you win, and like you're saying, all of those concerns are, are alleviated, but. Yeah, you've got to go and get this game because the gettable games left on the schedule was last week that you didn't get, and next week against uh, Chattanooga, I can't remember yeah, yeah. the CH names. Um, so, so yeah, got to get got to get something to get the Illinois fans back in it because they weren't too pleased after Friday's game. But but as you guys talked about last hour and over the last four days, it's not doom time for Illinois football. Speaking of not doom time, just as the uh, NFL will start this week, I don't know if you've heard that by uh, any of the major sports media outlets out there. They let that slip by. You just never really hear much about that league. I don't think the Bears are well positioned to entertain the 49ers, whose defense is going to just smother them. But I think the Bears get the Texans after that or something (laughs) like that. And, And there is some optimism around... What well I don't know if it's just it's a new coach or the 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 speak the the spin that's coming out of Hallis Hall that, that that can associate that but there is still a talented quarterback in Justin Fields out there and so I think that's giving some hope as as things start out here for the Bears we'll see what we get yeah with the the taste that was left in your mouth last year with Matt Nagy and, and just really the the way Justin Fields numbers played out a lot of people would forget that but that's a a really exciting pickup when when they got him a couple years ago and if you have a a franchise quarterback you can do a lot of things see the Packers that's about all they've had for about 15 years and they continually make the playoffs and give yourselves a a chance I don't know how much confidence I have especially when your your best defensive player goes into training camp and he's trying to get a contract (laughs) that he never gets and on the offensive side I don't know who's going to keep Justin Fields upright but if he does stay up right they, they can make some things happen on offense Eberflus comes in with the the defensive pedigree and it was a pretty good defensive unit last year although very old and it included Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and a number of guys that have moved on but what else do you got to do on Sundays except for watch the Bears so yep. we'll, we'll watch for a while until basketball gets going and, and then other things will will take over but I'll give them a chance yeah let's see if uh, they move the pocket play action that might be the way to avoid looking up at the sunshine and the lakefront skies <laughs> of Chicago for Justin Fields. Well, right? hopefully not too much because he is a quarterback. There's so much made about his legs because that's what he had to do last year within the, the confines of the offense. But he's got a, a great arm, and he showed it off a, a little bit in preseason. And who are the quarterbacks that have the staying power in the NFL? The ones with really good legs or no. really good arms? No one's with really good arms. Yeah. Who can a move little a little bit? Who can move yeah, a little Aaron bit? Aaron Rodgers has always been elusive. Yeah. yeah I don't think of him as a runner. Roethlisberger. Yeah. yeah. They could just sort of get out of your grasp. Yeah. And, you know, Tom Brady couldn't beat a foot race against most people. Neither could Peyton Manning. And they got it done. But he has a job still. Not because he's 
of his name and what he's done, it's because there's not 32 starting quarterbacks out there well, in the world. He, well, he's the GOAT. He, he, he is, of course. He, I'm just saying. He's, he he's just had his most touchdowns at age 44. I, mean, I, I might I'm as well not, keep I, him coming I'm not back. arguing the merit of him. I'm just saying we've, we've developed into a thing where there's fewer than 32 people in the world that can start as a quarterback in the NFL, I mean there are 32 starters, mm-hmm. but there uh, there are there are more than I would say more than 50 percent of front offices in the NFL wish they had somebody else starting as their quarterback. It's the <laughs> most difficult position in the world to fill as yeah. far as jobs go, right? I mean, there's not another position that's only looking to fill 32, and most of the time you've only got about 20 quality ones to yeah. to throw in there. Yeah. Yep, it's just it's 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 a it's very interesting sports phenomenon, <laughs> very interesting. All right, I want to talk a little baseball uh, when we come back. Joe Madden weighing on weighing in, and the the pennant races to look to as well. Mm-hmm. And we got Illinois volleyball on the mind with Chris Thomas. We're live at Riggs Brewery in Urbana. They're hosting us here for the People's Choice Awards. A lot of great folks have shown up here to celebrate, eat, and drink on their hard earned victories. So we're back after this. Rolling along on Sports Talk, live from Riggs in Urbana. Scott Beatty and Evan Kahn here with you. And uh, some pictures dropped on social media, Evan, of the new Ubbin complex. Ah, I Ubin. did see those. Nice nice and polished looking so far. So uh, Very, nice very deep. little insight. Other than it looks like they're getting fancy new equipment to get bigger and stronger with. And uh, another level looks like, and maybe I'm misremembering, but it looks like the weight room's on the second floor. I, this is all assumption based yeah. off of the very small little <laughs> thumbnails that they gave yep. us on Twitter. At, at some point, we might be able to get uh, a walk through there to see it, and oh, then yeah. you're not allowed in it anymore. Basically. <laughs> We're going to make big buildings worth a lot of money. They do most of the media stuff over there, right? Yeah, they do. You'll see it all the time. Right, all, all the time. Go. All the time. All the time. Uh, let's see. Cubs tonight are against the Cincinnati Reds. It's Wade Miley. Justin Steele put on the IL for mm-hmm. the Cubs today. We'll look at some of the baseball items. Um just heard a conversation today about Christopher Morrell. Apparently, David Ross sees him as a continued utility guy, mm-hmm. um, a, a, a quote one man bench. <laughs> uh, so I think he could he could have something there in terms of a core piece there for the future for the Cubs. You keep watching him here in September. Uh, the Cardinals, though, of course, uh, had a stinker yesterday. It happens, especially after the the weekend that they had uh, against the Cubs, coming off of the the basically walk-off win there on Sunday. Albert sending the the Cubs off the the same way that he spent his entire career playing against the Cubs. So, poetic. How can't you be romantic about baseball? Would you have blocked him? No. Strategically, I mean. No. Just, you just got to execute the pitch. You can't leave a, a fastball middle-middle against a guy who's got a 1,200 OPS over the last two months. Yeah. Just execute the pitch. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of players without 1,200 OPSs that will hit that pitch. <laughs> exactly. But I swear, I mean, and that's why the best hitters are the best hitters is when that pitch comes, they don't miss. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's partly why he's made his career. But <laughs> but just generally speaking, a base open, no score, left hand, a right-hander versus a lefty, um, and his splits, you don't want to walk him? 
No, no, you can. There's so many ways to pitch around a guy. Same, same kind of way. If you want to walk him, give him a, a chance to strike out by throwing balls outside of the zone and make him miss it. If, if, even if, yeah, that, that's the case. If you don't want him to hit it, then yeah, walk him. But I mean, there's an out. It's the same reason why you don't bunt with a, a guy on second and nobody out because you're giving the other team an out. You don't want to give the team another base runner without giving yourself a chance to get him out. Yeah, you know the counter is, but I've got so many more ways to get him in from third base. Sure. Sacrifice, wild pitch, uh, error, whatever, when I just need one run if we're talking extra innings. And you've got to have somebody who can get a bump down. Well, <laughs> yeah, that was what... How many guys, yeah, I mean, I don't want Ian Happ spending his batting practice trying to lay down bunts down the third base line. I don't want him doing... I, I don't want... 20 out of the 26 guys on the roster laying down bunts. The only guys I want are my starting pitchers, and they can't even pit or bat anymore, so swing the bat. <laughs> That's why we came to watch. Johnny Cueto will start for the White Sox tonight. They are in Seattle. Game you'll hear here on DWS. 8 p.m. is uh, the pregame start, and it's an 8.40 pitch central time. Love the West Coast. Yep. The White Sox played well yesterday against Seattle. I'm not, I mean, there's some, are they turning a corner? And look, they're only two games out. I'm also looking at a team that's gone five and five in their last 10. So that's better than going three and seven, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not ready to call them hot yet. No, oh, they're, they're on one of their up streaks. And Lance Lynn uh, just dealt last night, looked like the, the Lance Lynn that you would expect. I was actually kind of surprised. I looked back, he only had one clunker in August. So it, it looks like he's getting on track. Cueto, same kind of thing. He had one clunker in August, and he's been solid throughout the season. So it, it comes down to the, the starting pitching. You get uh, almost a, a no hitter from Cease on Sunday, and you get a win. You get a, a good outing last night from Lynn, and you get a win. They're still not hitting. I, I think they had three runs yesterday. All of them came via the home run ball, but those were about the only hits that, that they had. So yeah. the offense is sporadic, so they've got to count on allowing three or less runs a, a night to get a win, and it's worked out the, the last four or five games. A.J. Pollock is a home run hitter all of a sudden. <laughs> Come on. And Elvis Andrews. No, you know, no. He's just known for hitting the ball yeah, out of the that, ballpark. That's why you went and got him. <laughs> <laughs> Not because you don't have another option at shortstop while T.A.'s out. Yeah, they, they still need to, to get him back and still waiting on, on Tony La Russa to come back. Sounds like he wants to manage this year. Sounds like he wants to manage next year as well. But uh, ho hopefully he can get back into the dugout here before the end of the year. That could just play out in a very interesting way. And, and, and again, I don't want anybody to not be healthy. That's just the worst way to have. In sports, fans like to want to see people removed from their jobs, <laughs> but you never want to see it because they're not healthy. You mm -hmm. want to see it because management believes them not competent enough to accomplish it. <laughs> well, they don't believe that, so... Uh, anyway, so uh, that is what's going on. Yankees and Twins are postponed out in New York. And uh, interesting game if you're a, a late-night baseball fan, Giants and Dodgers. Braves are out in the West Coast against the Athletics. We're going to get some late-night uh, White Sox games, by the way, this week because they're in <laughs> Seattle and then they are in Oakland. Mm -hmm. So all that. Uh, you heard Colin say tomorrow is Prep Confidential at 6 p.m. Brett Bielma show at 7 p.m. tomorrow. And Tariq Barnes and Alex Palcheski will mm -hmm. be the guests there at Papa Dell's. Brian Barnhart, he'll be back for that uh, tomorrow as well. And then how about Joe Madden in a podcast on The Athletic making headlines by 
kind of knocking analytics a little bit. <laughs> and I don't know if Joe Madden's having a swing or if he of of or a change of heart or is is the pendulum swinging for him or is the guy just talking because he has nothing else to do? <laughs> um, Joe. Joe, I thought you loved the analytics. He's always been a feel guy, though. He's always been a gut guy. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that's what he, he did in, in Game Six of the or Game Seven of the World Series, and it almost led to the most dramatic collapse of all time. Instead, it was the greatest championship win uh, of all time. And as you read into it, I, I was just kind of skim scamming in a, a little thing, a couple little things coming in, and they were pulling from uh, or quotes that Theo Epstein had said going back to the the end of his tenure there in in Chicago and felt like there was some some complacency going on and it was more the the front office letting the manager know kind of what they were doing whereas I think out when he was with the Angels in LA if you heard the comments he made like a month or two ago where he just says that that it's essentially a dumpster fire out there from top to bottom they need to make changes in the organization so you've got two different schools of thought but but it all comes back to it, nowadays uh, the front office does run a, a lot of what the lineup looks like because the way they're putting the, the roster together is Moneyball-esque you know when <laughs> when Brad or yeah Brad Pitt goes down and he tells him you know I, I need Hatterberg at first that's because that's the way the, the team is built and if you don't put the team out there in that way then you get losses then it gets looks bad on the manager but at, at the same time yeah the, the front office guys aren't in the clubhouse uh, for a hundred. 62 games out of the year, and they don't know this and, and that and the other. So it's it's a balance, and that's something baseball has been trying to figure out, especially here lately, as it's just all R&D departments running front offices. There's very few former players as GMs like there once was. It's hard to argue in some cases because the data is there, but yet you feel sometimes like it's a bit robotic, mm-hmm. and you're losing the art and the heart and the instinct side of things, but it can go when you when you operate that way, and there's plenty of cases. It can go colossally wrong, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you you know, it, it it's hard in a sanitized, sterile environment to say, yeah, we just have to kind of lead with our hearts here. No, no, no. Let's manage in a way that over the long haul, especially baseball, shows you trends like no other sport. Mm-hmm. So let's lean into what we know the data will say over the long haul. If we do this, this, and this, we're going to win more than we're not. But I also like when you talk about complacency. What can we fix when things are broken? Sometimes we're talking about teams. They needed three more percentage points. You know, we <laughs> needed five more wins. Our offense is broken, and we needed because we didn't get five wins. And and and, 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 and it, it, you, you know, we are. It's sort of like you're searching for that white whale sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and look at the Yankees. Just phenomenal see and all of a sudden they're nose diving because it's six months <laughs> is it because they're suddenly bad baseball team and poorly constructed or is it because as things play out is it because of injuries is it because of i don't know the weather changed or something <laughs> you know baseball is 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 so hard to you're trying to say if i put in a i'll get b and you can put in a and get c you can put in c and get b and you can put it, it, you cannot predict it mm-hmm All right, we come back. Illinois Volleyball back on the road this weekend. Chris Thomas paid us a visit. Evan and I will bring you that conversation with the Illini head coach right after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
Sports Talk on a Tuesday. It's time for our conversation with Illinois volleyball coach Chris Thomas. I'm Scott Beatty along with Evan Kahn. At the time of this airing, coach, you're in practice. We appreciate you uh, coming in earlier today to get this uh, recorded. Good to see you. I know not the result you wanted against a couple of Pac-12 teams, but, well, they're Pac-12 teams in Colorado yeah. and Washington. Yeah, we played, you know, really well in spots and uh you know that was you know some set sets that were a couple stinkers but the other ones were were close and i, I know it, you know i told the team after the washington match you know i know it's it's not great to be always close but it's better than being far away and so we got to make sure that we just keep uh harping on the stuff that's going to control the games right and serving and passing and you know i thought we held up fairly well with our passing washington's a very good serving team uh we started to get our serve back a little bit against washington as well um defense was better from night one to night two so we're addressing a lot of the things that um that of course we're addressing as coaches but the players are responding to what we're addressing so that's really good to see we're still dealing with some inexperience in some certain positions and them getting used to each other on the court and you know, it's not much different than other teams, but uh, I, I think we we mentioned before this year more than any, we've got a lot of new pieces in different positions, and they're just still getting a feel for each other. And you'll see that in some communication stuff. You'll see that in some you know random touches that that normally we don't uh, want airs on and stuff like that. So, uh, games within our control, it's within our our grasp, but uh, we can't quite get over the hump yet. I saw and heard that on Sunday I uh, ran a little bit of a six-two. For uh, those that don't know, that means when you're rotating in two setters. Diana Brown, of course, is your primary setter, but a little bit looks like from uh, Brooke Mosier doing some some setting. But how much did you go to that, and, and what's the advantage or trade-offs when you do do that? Yeah, well, we do this weekend, uh, coming in this weekend, that we had to at least uh, toy with it a little bit, and we did at the end of the Colorado match, and it, it worked well until... Uh, Colorado kind of caught us on a streak there at the end of the end of the end of the match, and then uh, we came out and then against Washington, and Washington was a little better prepared for it. But you know the bonus is you get three hitters across the front row. Uh, the disadvantage is you're working with two setters, and, and you know no knock on either of the setters. It's just when you're setting, I think you want to have the flow of the game. Uh, and also this weekend we were without Kennedy Collins, which is our big attacker that goes goes off one foot behind the setter. So. Um, you know, you just kind of look at personnel. You try to fit them as, as best you, as you see fit. Um, and, and like we always say, sometimes it looks better in practice than it does in games. And they still got to work through their challenges in the games and stuff as well. So if you're not working on it all the time, you know, we might do it here and there. But uh, we we got to you know, continue working. And Brooks is setter, and she can hit. And she comes as is. She comes in the back row and hits out of the back row and sets a little bit as well. So uh, we felt comfortable enough to do it. And uh, we didn't execute that well in, in the first set against Washington, so we went back to the to the 5-1 and then it working a bit better. Uh, across the Big Ten, are most teams running a 5-1? You know, this year it's kind of spread out. Um, returning champs, Wisconsin, they're in 6-2 right now. Um, they've got two setters and they got three big hitters across the front row. Uh, a couple other teams run a 6-2s, uh, 5-1. I know Minnesota's run a 5-1. Uh, Nebraska's running 6-2. So it's out there. It's I think it's partially because of the change in the game a little bit. Um, the in the youth side, uh, the, you know, the middle going off of one foot has kind of gone away a little bit. Um, club sports, you want to bring in two setters. You want more people to have a role, and so that kind of. 
uh, lends itself to having six, more six twos out there that are being ran consistently in the club world. Um, and it's not a bad system either. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just the way the game's developing right now. And, uh, you know, we're still trying to find hitters that can go off one foot or at least train in that way. And whether it works out or doesn't, you know, that's per year basis. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how the game's going right now. And off one foot, that is the slide. The slide, tech, is, yes. Is, is sometimes yes. you'll turn, hear that term thrown around here. Chris Thomas with us on Sports Talk. And, and you talk about how the pro game or the Olympic game is different. Is, is that not something that you would see in, say, the Olympics? You, you, it would be uh, impossible to do yeah, it yeah, in the Olympics uh, unless you are running a true 6-2, which means the setters both hit and set because you're only allowed six substitutions, and once you come out of the game once, uh, you can only go back in once, and you can't go back and forth like we can uh, in the in our rules. So uh, it would it would be impossible to do a six two overseas, and so that's a part of it too. I I want to bring players here that want to play with their respective national teams, and uh, to do that, you need to kind of play in the system where you've got your attackers going all the way around. You need to have your middles go off one foot. You need to have a five one setter. Uh, you have obviously good libero play, so we're we're trying to create. You know, that's what we specialize in, and it doesn't always look pretty right away. But uh, uh, we're seeing some nice things out of it as well. Mm-hmm. well that, that's interesting. How we, we always see, you know, is it the college game influencing the pro game? We're talking to other sports, but in this case, you know, they're playing a whole system, it's a whole different set of rules <laughs> that they would never, yeah, that they Correct. would they would never play. So it would like it, it would like like we play. Let's say NCAA played in Canadian Football League, and then say, hey, go to the NFL. I mean that's pretty much what it's what it's like, so it's just one of those things that it's, it's uh, some different rules, but that substitution one is a drastic one, and uh, you know even though we're allowed to have many substitutions at our level, I'm, I'm, uh, of course we've had our years where we've had several DSs sub in for our back row players, but um, you know I feel like it's time to kind of make that turn and and try to train our six rotation pins, and we've had a great one in Michelle Barch do it, um, you know several years ago, and obviously made the Olympics. We had a great setter in Jordan. Paul who was there in Boulder this weekend got to see her. Uh, she came out in support of the team. Uh, but yeah, we're our, our pitch to recruits is we we play an international game. We want you to go play a pro. We want you to play with your national teams, uh, if that makes sense. So that's that's what we're trying to do. Well, and who do we got to talk to? I know that the Pac-12 is losing teams, but have you played Colorado every single year in this challenge? So that's part of the setup. So it was oh, a four-year okay. rotational setup, and we just each agreed that we're going to host once every four years. Gotcha. And so there was only the only year, obviously, was the COVID year. We played no offseason, mm-hmm. but um, this was the setup that we had made between the four schools. And there was no uh, uh, financial benefit, but there was a, a penalty if you were to bail out of the, the tournament. So this was the last year. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to re-up with the same four teams, uh, but we also like having that set up because it's it's really hard to schedule in pre-conference play as we talked about before. Sometimes someone wants to come play here, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it makes more sense to be on the road. So, you know, this year's not allowing us to be at home uh, for a variety of reasons uh, in pre-conference play, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out as best as we can and, and try to schedule as tough as we can. And so one and three, it's been a tough pre-conference, but that's what we wanted. We needed to see what we need to get better at. Um, you know, we can practice in our gym all day, and it feels nice and comfortable. But once you get out and actually play against someone with the bright lights, it's it's a whole different ballgame. Well, I, I got this question uh, yesterday when I was filling in on Monday morning quarterbacks, and there's a there's a Big Ten team right now that's undefeated. I don't think they have a very high RPI team on on any of those that they have played. You're one in three against all good RPI teams and a couple of ranked teams as as well. Uh, I know you want the wins, but would you? 
Would you trade that? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, and different teams are looking for different things in how they schedule each year, right? It's, sure. it's not my. It's not really about that other team. My question is: Is are you okay with one and three, one and three, yeah. but with you know the yeah, trade off of the RPI? I understand. Yeah, I think you have to be. Um, you know, there's been teams that have done this before. You go back and just look at history books and uh, records and stuff like that. And there's teams that might go 14 and 0 pre-conference, and then they finish six and 14 in conference. They're still above 500, but the RPI pre-conference was not good enough to make it to the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and becomes, you're coaching for December, and you're scheduling correct, for December. Correct, correct. And you got to get there. That's you know mm-hmm. we can't take that many losses in the pre-conference play because we know how tough their uh, wins are to come by in conference. Um, ideally, we're you know two and two, three and one, whatever you want to put it. Um, you know, better than one and three, but one and three with this schedule, you know, I'm, I'm I'll take. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm not happy with it, but I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> so, is there, is there an element though where you really have to sell that to your team? Uh, you know, do they get it too? Yeah, um, you know, we we've been working with a, a sports performance person too. When we just kind of talked about this whole concept that pressure is a privilege, and you know, that's going to make you better at the end of the day. And um, they, you know, all the returners know that for me in the conference, and all of them know how that helps us get better at the end of the year too. And so we got to keep, you know. Eye on the prize and keep moving mm-hmm. forward and all that good stuff. Obviously, we go back and take a look at film, you know, like as we did the last couple of days and see what we got to improve on. But um, we're right there and we're close. We just have to turn a few more plays. And you're talking about making, you know, five more of those little plays that I talked about that you don't normally make. Are they all going to score points? No, but you're probably going to score two or three out of the five, six extra, you know, plays that we're talking about. And that's the difference of winning 25 wow. 22 or losing 25 22. So it's always, a, yeah. it's, it's always a two-point play right yep, because it's yep. a point you get and it's a point exactly. they don't get exactly exactly <laughs> you said you watch film do, do the players watch film and what are you watching are you watching yourself are you watching the teams that you're getting ready for how, how does that yeah work? usually we don't watch the teams we're getting ready for until the end of the week the coaches will watch it um, we'll know what to prep for in practice and uh, hey if they you know this team does this and we really have to work on you know that skill that might be a, a an issue or maybe something that we haven't seen before um or haven't worked on a ton. And then uh, the beginning of the week is a lot about us and a lot about, hey, you know, these are the areas where we can easily control or more control than what the other team does. Hey, there's a ball that, you know, gets, here's a tip that we have to be able to pick up. Here's a, a blocking assignment that we can't forget about. Here's, you know, some stuff that we talked about in scout or in film uh, the days before that we need to clean up as we continue to move forward if we, if we want to do well. And with that, uh, this weekend, Raina Terry got uh, all-tournament, and last weekend, Kayla Burbage had the big weekend, and she had a, a big first game against Colorado. Are there certain games where you feel like, or matches that you feel like different matchups work better and you're trying to work it to them more? Or Yeah, it can, it it can be, and sometimes, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a former setter, and sometimes you know your hitter's feeling it, you're going to give them the ball, and it, it makes, you know, makes easier job for us setters um but uh the washington match Raina played great i mean that was really a lot of glimpses of her match against kentucky last year where she you know quote Epic. unquote went off yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so she had very similar play to that to that match a couple of huge stuffs at the end of the second set i think she had 17 kills on three airs and 29 to 10 that's i mean that's amazing so you know we look more you know for that play obviously and you hope you can combine it all together and it's not just one person it's i got all three of the whole teams firing 
and uh, you're able to, to score points at will, and that's really what we're looking for. This weekend, Missouri State, Villanova, Dayton, uh, out in Dayton, Ohio. What do you know about them? Uh, I know Missouri State's usually pretty good in a lot of sports yep. for a mid-major. Yep. Yeah, they all are. All those schools are in their respective conferences. They're in the top tier in their conferences, and again, it goes back to what we're looking for when we schedule. Dayton's a perennial tournament team. Uh, they tend to get uh, you know, 28, 30 wins a season. Um, they, they've had a challenging schedule as well. They just played Georgia Tech last weekend. We played the first weekend, and uh, Georgia Tech uh, beat them in three as well. So, you know, it, just looking at them briefly on film this morning, the good team. They got some decent size. They got a few nice players, uh, as many teams do. And uh, we're just going to play good volleyball to to come out on top. And we know it's a it's a we've heard it's I've never been there before. I've I've heard it's a great volleyball environment, and uh, we're looking forward to it. I think they're uh, pretty. Supportive of their sports over there at yep, Dayton. Yep. And, uh, well, Illinois got a coach out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Women's basketball is Shauna Green. Need to hit her up for the hot spots out there. <laughs> That's true. Like we have time. <laughs> yeah. We also got we also got Trent Meacham back out of basketball, too, from, from them after he go. transferred back from Dayton. That's so Dayton's right. been good to Illinois over the years. <laughs> uh, that match, by the way, against Missouri State on Friday will be uh, during uh, this time slot. So you get some volleyball during the normal hours of sports talk. And then again, you'll hear them at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. All right, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us as as always, best of luck. Thank you very much. See you next week. All right, Chris Thomas. And again, they're wrapping up practice now, so we talked to him earlier today. We're at Riggs Brewery celebrating the people's choice. I see the CU Trade Services folks here. They won in seven different categories. Ryan Schrieffer and Chad Dedimore are enjoying their awards today. And, uh, well, the, the word's out on CU Trade Services, what kind of service you get from them. You can get on a maintenance plan with them right now. Um, cool weather is not too far away. Want to make sure that furnace is up and going, and you're not going to have any problems when we get that first cold spell in the near future. So give them a call. Check them out. CU Trade Services, uh, one of the People's Choice Award winners here as well, and uh, glad to have them working on my home as well. Back in a moment, we'll wrap up Sports Talk right after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Well, that'll about do it uh, for our edition of Sports Talk here live at Riggs Brewery. Thanks to them for being our host. Congrats to all the People's Choice of winners, Evan Kahn. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Going to talk some Virginia football with one of their beat writers. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looks like no Albert in the lineup today. But we still have two home run races here through the month of September. Judge hit number 54 yesterday. It's a sight to behold. Thanks to everybody who joined us today. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. 